Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Chronic Relief. Very high, but very happy to be here. Um, today's guest is dope. Please welcome Abdullah Saeed. Hey, how's um, it going? Is it okay? I mean, I'm going to obviously introduce you as comedian. I look at you as a comedian. Oh, thank you. But you're so much more than that. I know that um, you recently got into the stand-up side of comedy. Yeah, that's um, right. I'm only, uh, I'm a baby stand-up. I'm yeah, only me too. I'm a year old. Okay, I'm a, I'm a couple years ahead of you. But um, you are an actor, director, producer, writer. Yeah, not director no, I yet, mean, but the other director. things. But yeah. you're working on, are you working on shifting into that role? Um, You know, directing itself, I'm like, that's the kind of thing that, you know, <clears throat> if I get older and I'm like, oh, I want to really have One full day. control of something. Yeah, okay. that, that I would do that. But writer, producer, actor. Yeah, yeah. Comedian, stand-up comedian recently. Well, yes. Oh, I'm so flattered. Um, you're hilarious. I've seen you do stand-up. I've done shows, with, a couple shows with you now. Yeah. Alexis Fox show. Alexis Fox, you performed at my show. The at shit your show, show. The Shit Show, which is a great show. Yeah, first Wednesdays at El Cid on Sunset. Definitely. You guys have to check that out. It's such a fun show. Um, what made you want to get into comedy? Yeah. So, you know, I'm one of those people who's been told his whole life, like, oh, you're funny. You should do stand up. And yeah. I think probably about five percent of those people should actually do stand up. Totally. So I'm testing out whether I'm in that five percent. And, you know, like uh, once I started out, uh, you know, and uh, there's like definitely was some sense like, OK, like I'm going to try this out and I'm either going to suck at it mm-hmm. or I'm going to like it enough to keep doing it. And the first couple of shows I did, like. That satisfaction of making people laugh, like it it's really, addicting. Yeah, it got me high as fuck, mm-hmm. and I never expected that. And you know, nerves are is not really as much of a thing to me. Like I've performed music for a long time. I've you know been on camera a bunch. Of course, stand up is harder than those things. Yeah, but yeah, but at the same time, it was like I got up and you know the nerves converted into the adrenaline, and I was like, oh shit, this is really satisfying, and also like. The, my long bit that I do is like really one that speaks directly to my experience yeah. as like a Muslim American or whatever. Right. So I, you know, I was like, oh, wow, what a great opportunity to kind of do that. Like I have so many thoughts like this. If people think they're yeah. funny, then that works. It's another outlet for you to be creative and express yourself another yeah. art form or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, you're such a creative person. I didn't even know you did music. Yeah, I feel yeah, like there are very time. few things that you you don't or can't do. Yeah, I can't juggle. Okay. Um, and I can't ride a skateboard very well. You maybe can't juggle physically, but you can <laughs> juggle in your life. Yes. Okay. And skateboarding, eh, you you can't afford to be on. I know, things. right? You're, you know, you're a valuable person. I'm, I'm scared. That's why. You know, like, <laughs> I'm brittle. Um. So. Where were you born and raised? So I was born and raised in two very different places. So I was born in New Hampshire. Okay. But before I was one, my family moved to Thailand. And my father is a university professor. Okay. So uh, that's where his job was. So that's where I lived until I was 13. And then my parents got divorced and I went to New York with my mom because my extended family is all in the New York area. And I lived there for a while and I went to college in Philadelphia where? And uh, I went to Temple. I was in a guest temple. Yeah. It's a great school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a good experience. And I really loved the city of Philadelphia. And I lived there for nine years. I started uh, as 
like a nightlife journalist there, food okay. journalist, nightlife journalist. So entertainment. Were arts you smoking weed stuff. there? Yes, yes. I've been smoking weed since I was fourteen. I pretty much fell in love with it immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, initially I didn't like for, in Thailand. Uh, no, actually, once I came to the oh, US. right, because you came to Thailand after you were thirteen. I mean, you came, you moved when you were thirteen. Yeah, exactly. Okay. To so, New York. Uh, to, to New Sour York. Diesel. Uh, yeah. Well, so I was in Long Island. And then I started smoking weed in a year that I lived with my father in Massachusetts. So okay. when I first came to the U.S., there was a lot of moving around. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, I, a, he was a teacher at a university in Massachusetts. Yeah. So Which one? Uh, a Worcester Polytechnic okay. Institute. I lived in Vermont for two years. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. 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 So this was in Worcester, if okay. you've ever been through mm-hmm. there. So, um, well, we lived his school where he taught at was is in Worcester. I lived, uh, you know, we lived in a suburb called Northborough. Okay. Uh, and I went to Algonquin Regional High School. Amazing. And, yeah. And at this school, uh, there was a kid who was also a freshman who was, I mean, from what I can remember, like a real grade A piece of shit. You know, he's like <laughs> one of those kids who was just like, it was just, they were like, there's no hope for this one. Uh, he sold me some weed in the locker room of gym class, right? Oh, wow. Yeah, and and I remember very distinctly him. I gave him twenty dollars, and he was putting. Nugs. You were see, you were out seeking it. Uh, yes, I was okay. looking for it. I, I I had not tried it. What made you want to try it? You know, this I, I look back and think about it, and and the, the way I kind of felt was that it either makes life more entertaining or it is entertainment in itself, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, either thing, I'm fucking down for. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so. I bought some weed from him and I remember uh, I gave him the $20 and he was putting weed into like a little like uh, plastic, maybe it was a cellophane. It was like a little thing. And he put some weed in and I, and I go, thanks. Right. Thank you. And he goes, Oh, that's all you want. I would have given you more, but okay, fine. Like he was such an asshole, that kid. Um, But it was, you know, nevertheless, it was enough weed that I took it home. I like rolled it up and like some, I think the paper from a tea bag. Okay. Right. And I smoked it in my dad's garage. And the first time I didn't feel anything. Did you feel anything first time you smoked? did not get high the first time I smoked weed. Yeah. So I don't count it as my first time getting high. Right. So, so in that sense, my first time getting high that I can remember anyway, was at, uh, I believe it was a warp tour. Okay. Yeah. And it was, um, very appropriate place. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. And I remember there was a Yoohoo truck and there was like, they're giving out free Yoohoo. They're giving out little cups of Yoohoo and everyone was drinking them at these little plastic cups and throwing them on the ground. So the ground became like this landscape of crushed little plastic cups. <laughs> and I remember being really stoned and walking across that and being like, whoa, what's happening? <laughs> and then Blink-182 was playing which is certainly not a band I was really into at all. I, okay. I was into like uh, kind of old punk, like, okay. you know, when I, like hardcore punk or whatever when I was in high school. Uh, and I remember watching this band. I remember seeing one of their butts was hanging out and I thought it was really funny. Um, and then I think the memory ends there. Yeah. <laughs> that was your first time getting high. That was Perfect. the first time I can remember being high. Yeah. That's amazing. So you... Um, weed has always kind of played an important role in your life, mm-hmm. um, especially creatively, you would say. Yeah. So th- that I mean, 
you know, I, I was always looking for interesting subject matter okay. to, to talk about in my writing or, you know, uh, in later in like, you know, short documentaries. And, you know, it never occurred to me that weed itself was the inspiration, you know, and, and, and really when I write about stuff or, or cover anything, whether it's like music or food or whatever, I want to be inspired by the subject right. matter. And weed is endlessly inspiring. It's so interesting. Yeah, it is. Right. And like, for example, I mean, the more I learn about cannabis, all the stories around it, uh, the more I'm fascinated by it. it okay. It's just it's never ending. And that's uh, that's why we started Great Moments in Weed History. Right. right? So this is a podcast uh, which I do with David Bienenstock, who kind of he's a weed journalist who really was my guide in the world of weed journalism. Right. He's an OG. He's, an, he's a mentor. Yeah, he's, he's, he's an OG weed for mentor. sure. Yeah, yeah. Like him, Mary Jane Gibson. Yeah, yes. Like um, Elise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, there's be, a that's bunch, Venus Stock's wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a bunch of these iconic weed journalists that have been doing it before we were even like smoking weed. You know what I yeah. mean? And I think a lot of people... Um, they're going to blow up, but yeah. they're, t- you know what I mean? Cause they're not, they're becoming, they are now iconic because yeah, of the way OGs. the industry has shifted. They are now looked at to be OGs, whereas they were the only thing for, for forever. Yeah, exactly. You know? Or like, uh, or Danny Danko. Right. Danny like Danko. Rick he's Cusick. exactly. These are all iconic. Um, if you guys are, if anyone is listening, is interested in like the history of weed journalism, look mm-hmm. to any of these people. Um, and you will find just so much great information that has been around mm-hmm. for, forever oh yeah exactly and these really are the people who kept it alive in an era when it was really difficult exactly they're really the pioneers they were the ones who were like just rebels they were out there putting their name on publication with publications talking about cannabis you know back when it was so illegal and so interestingly actually i think you'll find this interesting because i don't think i've I've told you Mm -hmm. much about this new season but all these journalists we're talking about were at high times in the heyday of high times yeah. Like not the current high times no. everyone looks at, but like when yeah. it was really the only In relevant. the magazine, when yeah. people purchased the magazine. Yes, exactly. So we have a two-part episode this season about the founder of High Times, Tom Fursad, right, who is an endlessly fascinating figure. I mean, this guy, and he died young, wow. um, you know, so uh, not to spoil the end of the episode, Aww. but but he does, he, he did die young. It, 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 it was incredibly tragic, but in his short life, he really stood for all of the, you know, uh, subversive like ideals mm-hmm. of being uh, like a, a being a, a cannabis person or being like a, a progressive, open minded person, the type of person that, you know, weed people like us want to see more of in the world. Today. Right. And it's the first time we did a two part episode. This for being in stock, it's something that's like really close to his heart. Right. You know, he was at high times for 10 years, um, you know, it, and really like the the original uh, vibe of that magazine is something right. that you know. I think it's what what really brought him into this mm-hmm. world uh, of of cannabis journalism. So, like, really, that is the purpose of the show. In a lot of ways, is uh, not only to tell entertaining stories that are fucking interesting as shit. Because, like, legit, like Phil Acuti has an amazing weed story. Uh, you know, Bob Dylan was the first guy to smoke out the Beatles. That's an incredible weed story. That's a great story. You know? So, if we were like, if we don't document this stuff, like, there's no uh, Beatles history book that's like that includes their weed history. Right. There is, I don't know, but you know, it's it's not prominent. That's knowledge. brilliant. Yeah, you guys so, have to capture this because one day, you know, people will look back 
and look at this as fact. Yes. As what really happened. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like like we said in our uh highly factual. Highly factual, yes. Yeah. And you know, we were saying if uh, you know, if the the victors are the ones who write the history, if the history is written by the victors and John Boehner's gonna be the victor, mm. then we are the Howard Zinn to the McGraw Hill when it okay. comes to the history books. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Someone will get that reference. Yeah. <laughs> I <don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> but I know what it hit with a lot of people. Um, but yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, you have to capture the history before it it, it becomes history. You know what I mean? And yeah. no one can, uh, we have to remember, we have to, just like anything else, we can't um, forget where we came from, you know? Yes. It's true. And like all the people who fought for it to 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 be where it is now even though you know Mm -hmm. the current state of it is i don't know i'm how do you feel about legal weed so i think it's an interesting thing that we wanted something for so long without thinking about the you know the caveats of actually getting it and you know when i say we look i'm pretty young when it comes to cannabis activism uh, there's people who are fighting this battle for a long, long time who maybe never saw this coming. But it's true that right when weed started to get legalized, uh, I was quoted in some interview as saying, and this is something that I really you know, still stand by today and I've always stood by, but you can't readily trust the authorities who unjustly prohibited cannabis for so long to now justly regulate it. Right. Like these are the same fucking people. You know what I'm saying? The the, the police organizations, uh, you know, the, the, the government agencies, they're not suddenly, uh, you know, like uh, not bureaucrats. They're, no, they're, they're not, like, you know? OK, you want it to be legal. We're going to take every single oh. penny and. Oh, yeah. And ruin your lives yeah. over it. And I think the most important. And poison it. And poison it. I mean, like totally. And, and I think the most important thing to take away from it is. People see, they're like, oh, well, weed was legalized. How come the black market is thriving? Well, it's because the states are greedy and they're taxing the weed too much and not acknowledging that these markets have existed for decades. Right? Literally forever. Yeah. And, and, and that uh, they know how to exist. They know how like to exist. This. Exactly. Exactly. And, and there's no point. In like it, it's just so stupid. It's like it, it's like somebody you know going into business, uh, you know, and competing with something that's been established for a long time, and then wondering why they're failing. Yeah, well, it's because you don't understand like the real market, and they're like, oh, the green rush, legal weed. This is the thing. I mean, like. For, that's for a certain type of smoker. Legal mm-hmm. weed is for the new smoker, mm-hmm. old people, um, you know, people who aren't of the cult for the culture. Mm-hmm. They're just like maybe they're actually medical patients or whatnot. Yeah. But I think that like the the culture that existed before. The, mm. the mass market that was purchasing weed mm. in, the, in the black market or whatever. We still are here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? We're not going anywhere. Yeah. And those moms and those new smokers. The soccer moms. Yeah, yeah. They're only buying a fraction of the weed out there. Like, they're not the ones keeping MedMen alive. You know what I'm saying? Or whatever. Yeah. And like, well, honestly, what's probably keeping MedMen alive is, is selling shit out the back door. Because I don't think there's any weed business that's like you know, none of green them are, none of them are doing, like, no yeah. there's just it's too expensive it's too expensive they make it expensive the it's unfair and a lot of like my friends who had companies 
that were mom and pop companies that were really good products mm-hmm. that you would find it, you know, only the exclusive dispenser or like not exclusive, but like only at certain dispensaries. Could you find certain products? They're gone forever. Mm-hmm. They'll never exist in the cannabis space again. Yeah. Because they've either gone in trouble. They got shut down. They don't have the money. They mainly it's, they don't have the money mm-hmm. to exist in this. Yeah. And I know, always laugh when people come to me. Do you, when they're like, I think about starting a weed company. Oh yeah. When people, you know, when or people CBD. ask me that they're like, Hey, so I was thinking about investing in weed like or whatever like what do you think and i'm always like if you're hearing about it then it's fucking over you know what i mean like then there's nothing there's no money to be made no so just forget about it um but yeah it's i mean long story short look when prop 215 was passed right that shit worked The, the the problem with that the biggest problem with that for the government was that they weren't making their fucking share off of it and you know and now we have a situation that frankly is shit for the consumer uh, because shit for the other side too. Yeah. I mean, it it looks like it because they thought that the weed would be more valuable just based on just the stupidest math. You know what I mean? So part of it is frustrating. Part of it is funny, but also it just affirms this feeling that I have that the establishment is never going to do the right thing on anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whether it's cannabis or whether it's uh, they never you know, public health care or whether it's, uh, you know, decriminalization or anything else. They, they never have and they never will because that's the definition of the fucking establishment. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's never because the they the they anyone ever gave anything to us. Anything we ever got, we had to fight for it. Yeah. Anything, anything rights. You know, women we we're just able to vote. Yeah. In the yeah. last, I don't know, that was fifty a, years, a hundred years, years ago, or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like. I mean, it's crazy. We had to fight to smoke weed. Yeah, and you know, in that sense, I will say this. A lot of people go around and they're like doom and gloom. The world's fucking ending. Well, I always say this. I say, you know what? This is a more progressive America than we've ever seen before. It might not be perfect, but it's way better. Look, as a a homosexual person, you can, you know, uh, be public about your, your love for your partner in so many places in America now. That was not possible a long time ago. My girlfriend is a white woman, right? There was a time when we wouldn't be able to walk down right, the street totally. together. And now we can do those things. And weed is decriminalized in some places. There's less people being arrested for it. Even though there's still disproportionately a lot of people. Yeah. black and brown, there's still a lot. Uh Things are getting better. And this is sort of a a, a feeling that I've had for the last few months where, you know, for years I feel like I was like, oh, reporting on stuff. Oh, my God, it's all shit. You know, like nothing works. The world is fucked. I'm hyper aware of all the shortcomings of of the world. Right. But now I'm at this place where it's call it instinct, call it like a sixth sense. But I think things are getting better. I'm not sure, but I'm going to say it. That might be a wild statement. Things are getting better. Yeah. I mean. I think it's the best. I think it's the best time to be alive. I think so too. I mean, yeah. I it's funny because I go home to Vegas, where I'm from, and there's just weed billboards everywhere. I know it's crazy. Vegas everywhere. looks crazy right now. It's insane. Like there should be a weed hotel mm-hmm. coming soon or Dude, something. I feel like. First of all, I feel like they're all weed hotels. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, are, are what you- makes it not a weed hotel? <laughs> Because for real, I hate the argument of like, I guess because of the alcohol problem, like there's, which Mm. anyone knows, like, I mean, 
if there's weed involved, you're going to be spending more money. You're going to spend money Mm -hmm. and it's not going to prevent people. But I think it's just like you can't have the alcohol, obviously, like the cross, you know, pollinating amplifier effect. It's just like, who cares? Also, Um, and uh, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, that's something that they have the cannabis, the cannabis lounge. I I hate calling it cannabis lounge, but the weed lounges. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think about that? I think that's really cool. I think it's about time there was a place you could smoke. I mean, like, so I lived in New York for seven years. And for a lot of those seven years, I really didn't like to drink very much. I still am not a big drinker. But I was Were drinking. you a big smoker in New York? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Did you day. ever get in trouble with the cops there? In the city? No, thankfully. I mean, there was, I was not, <clears throat> I was not a huge risk taker in New York City. Do people not smoke outside? Now they do. So yeah. things have changed. New York has gotten more weedy. So basically, I actually reported on this when I was at Vice. Uh, and basically, like, New York City, right? So New York State actually decriminalized weed, like, back in 1997. But when Giuliani became mayor of New York City and started, like, doing all these, like, quality of life shit to clean up Times Square or whatever, yeah. basically, he allowed the NYPD, who were a bunch of fucking fascists, to go around arresting people uh, for cannabis stuff, is particularly in black and brown neighborhoods. Despite the fact that it was decriminalized and you're supposed to just get a citation or a ticket for it, they would book these people and take them through the system. Basically, arresting weed people is an easy way for cops to make overtime. And, uh, you know, overtime is how they make most of a lot of their money. So they were using cannabis arrests under these, like, you know, under the rule of Giuliani and, and Commissioner Bratton to... Uh, to just fuck with people, like, against the, essentially against the state law. Wow. Like, I was in upstate New York and got in trouble for some weed, and a New York state trooper was like, oh, yeah, it's a $100 ticket here. And that was it. And I was like, wow, uh, how the fuck do we get in so much trouble for this type of shit in yeah. New York City? And it's because, uh, you know, uh, yeah, the, the cops were basically, like, had free reign to act like cops. You know what I mean? So, uh Essentially, what happened was under de Blasio, who brought back the same police commissioner, but basically they couldn't deny the, you know, the, the medical social benefits. momentum. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and also just the fact that, you know what, I'll tell you what, the police and the state, they don't give a fuck about no medical medical benefits. They basically were like, at some point they can't fight against the status quo. And then they say, well, if you can't beat them, join them. We're going to cash in on this shit. So I'm sure that's what Andrew Cuomo's. Uh, you know, angling, yeah, ham-fistedly angling to do right now. Um, But yeah, long story short, it's a lot easier to walk down the street in New York City and smoke a joint now than it was five years ago. Damn. It's crazy to me from being in California for so long that there are still places that exist where they just will fuck you, like your life will be ruined for weed. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really been a but tool. please enjoy this glass of alcohol. <laughs> oh yeah, I know, right? And that's a crazy thing. There's something that we mentioned once on Great Moments in Weed History, which was like, if a cop sees two guys fist fighting each other on the street, they'll probably just break them up and be like, ah, just go your own ways. But if they see those same two guys smoking weed together and like communing, mm-hmm. they'll fucking arrest them and drive them away. And, it, you know, it really speaks. To, so like uh, Hassan Minaj recently on uh, the host of Patriot Act, he did an episode about 
um, about the police, like, you know, police enforcement tactics and stuff like that. And yeah, it's crazy that they are quick to violence, right? They're trained to be quick to violence, uh, regardless of whether or not the subject is being violent or not. You know what I'm saying? So it's like we really have been living in this environment for many years where the police make money for arresting us at all levels. So meaning an individual cop uh, who makes some overtime by arresting a teenage pot smoker on the street, uh, he's going to make extra money doing that, right? Uh, The same way that if the entire police department arrests enough people and says, we've made this many drug arrests, then, well, yeah, the state or the city or whatever is going to give them more money to be like, good job. You know what I'm saying? So, like, at all levels, you're rewarded uh, when you target weed people and black and brown weed people mostly. Okay. Yeah. Um, And that shit's fucked up. So, look, obviously, those things in in some places where cannabis is being decriminalized. uh, It's decriminalized in New York, though, isn't it? Yeah. Well, actually, it's been decriminalized in the state for like 40 years. Uh, And beyond that, it's not any more. The laws aren't any different as far as I know now than they were back then. Wasn't there a MedMen opening up there? Yeah. Well, they have medical marijuana now. So actually medical. Yeah, they have medical, but it's also a very like it's non-comprehensive. Um, so this can be attributed to Andrew Cuomo, who is a fucking tool and who doesn't understand cannabis at all. He's the governor of New York State. Yeah. So I reported on this policy when it was first being implemented. But basically, there was an attempt to establish comprehensive medical marijuana in New York State. But instead, Andrew Cuomo is personally uncomfortable with the idea of people smoking things, right? So basically, you can only get edibles or concentrates or tinctures in, in, like under the New York State Medical Marijuana Program. Also, he just basically saw a really good program that was presented by the state legislature and replaced it with a really shitty program, which no one in their right mind would call comprehensive because he doesn't understand the issue. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you think it's like purposely he doesn't understand like they're like he's getting not bribed, but like, (laughs) you know, maybe who who his friends are could be like big tobacco or like whatever, you know, possible. But he also uh, probably wants to run for president at some point. He's a legacy guy. His dad was Mario. Well, if he's against weed, I know. See, he thinks this is how fucking stupid the thinking is. He thinks that he's on the right side of history by being a like you know really uh sort of regressive on weed. So meaning in the beginning he was like no, I don't want people to smoke so we're not going to allow any flowers in the state. And I'm like everyone in the state can tell you that you're going to look like a fucking idiot in a year. He's on the wrong side of weed history. He's on the wrong side. He's very much on the wrong side of weed history. Um it's crazy because I since I left New York, I've like put out of my mind, you know, uh, all of these sort of like thoughts and feelings about New York State medical marijuana, and maybe things have changed since then here and there, but uh, by and large, it's pretty much the same. There's states around New York that are, okay. like, surpassing it in terms Vermont. of their— Yeah, Vermont, New Jersey. New is known. Well, it's funny because New Hampshire's, uh, like, theme is, like, live free or die, but— Yeah. I don't ride know. without seatbelts, but— Yeah, right? And, Massachusetts, and drink, of yeah. course, too. Well, Massachusetts just became— Wreck. wreck. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's like New York is just going to be Maine— Maine as well, yeah. And I, I think Rhode, Rhode Island. Island or, yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, basically... New England is like, fuck mm-hmm. you, New York. Yeah. You know, the, the funniest thing... <laughs> the real to me, patriots. Yeah, really. And the funniest thing to me about it is that 
in New York, I remember reporting on this poll or like using a quote that said that 60, it was like 65% of people who are over the age of 65 in the state of New York are pro-legalization. Now that's a crazy statistic because the 65 plus segment is usually the one that's against it. And upstate New York is very, very conservative, rural and conservative. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's, it's not like New York city. You know what I'm saying? It's very different. So the fact that those people want it, I mean, it's just incredibly tone deaf. It's, um, it's a nonpartisan issue. It's a nonpartisan issue. And, but politicians don't realize that still sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, it's well, stupid. they're dumb because if yeah. uh, the conservatives, you know, they're they're the ones who are supposedly like business and money and blah, blah, blah and capitalism. Mm-hmm. It's like, OK, well, here is the green rush. You yeah. idiots. Yeah. Yeah. But exactly. it's not just them either. There are people on the Democrat side that like Joe Biden's like, I'm uncomfortable. Oh, please. man. And I'm like, you know, th- this is a really funny thing to me. So they're like. How do we get young people to come out and vote? And I'm like, guess what? You fucking give them a idiots. joint. Yeah, and just be smart on your cannabis policy. Obama was the only one who was smart when it came to that, but he was kind of horrible when it came to weed too. He was kind of cagey about it. And actually, so the first episode, he was smart when it came to utilizing social media with getting the young people. It just was a shame he didn't do more. For yeah, weed. I think that just his his him as a character was appealing to young people. But the, the first episode of this season of Great Moments in Weed History is all about. Obama's high school weed crew, mm-hmm. the Choom Gang. Obama was a huge pothead, and I, I'm a big Obama fan. Look, he's done shit. I'm Pakistani. That guy led like the you know yeah. drone bombing campaign of Pakistan. I definitely don't agree with a lot of shit that he did. I'm, a, still, I'm an Obama fan too. Yeah, he's he's still like my favorite president. He was I the dopest president. Yeah, he really was. Like I would love to have smoked a joint with yeah. him. Yeah, and he he probably would have been down because he yeah. he loved smoking weed and all his his friends daughters that love time, weed. Do they? Oh my god! I've memed uh, Malia. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Smoking, like I've. I, th- apparently, there's pictures of her. Maybe a cigarette, but it looks like a joint. Like no I've way! Her before. I'll, I'll find it. And Amazing. I'll send it to you. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I'm sure Obama gets that you'd rather have your kids smoking weed than drinking alcohol yeah. or doing other drugs. So you know, good for Malia. If we ever get a chance to ask him. Yeah, right. That'd One be a day. great question. He's going to be on his deathbed and he's going to be like, I smoke weed the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, but yeah, it, it is a fascinating story uh, because, you know, he's the first president to really admit that. Even though, okay, so he, he did... Uh, you know, under him. Didn't Bill Clinton? He said he didn't inhale. He said he didn't inhale. And actually, Obama said, "Yeah, but we knew I, he was lying." I inhaled frequently. That yeah. was the point. That was yeah. famously yeah. Obama's quote. Um, yeah, pretty crazy. But you know, I, if we get like, I, I really think it's crazy that they don't. This is it's just that same tone deafness, right? Like meaning like they don't realize that if they just do the right thing on cannabis, if if one. Democratic, uh, you know, uh, candidate said, you know what, I'm going to take cannabis off the schedule and I'm going to expunge the entire federal record. Anyone with a cannabis conviction, they're gone. Right. The young people will come out and vote for that person. And and like, you know, like uh, it's crazy to me that they sit around and ask like. Like, how do we how do we really get young people to vote? They don't fucking want young people to vote. They don't want our voices to be heard. If they did, we wouldn't have fucking Joe Biden leading that. I shit. know. So, you know, it's because old people vote. They like Joe Biden. And also, you know what? 
a lot of young people, cannabis people don't vote. Like, I, I think it's a fucked up thing. I have a lot of friends in the cannabis world who just, it, it's not even a thought in their mind to vote. Uh, and that, it's, it speaks volumes, I think. So, um, I agree. I, I think that's going to be the key is like getting access to those people, you know, and getting their vote and weed would probably do it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, anytime I've ever done anything where there's been mentioned like a show or whatever event where there's free weed, I will go. Yeah. Same. You know what I mean? It works. <laughs> weed works. We need to. It really does. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, it's kind of cool to like see you start. I mean, I, I love that you're doing stand up. Thanks. And I think that it's going to be cool to see all that you do with that. But also um, I did want to talk a little bit about vice and like working with them. Sure. You were the, ho- is the, is the host of bong app or what? Wh- yeah. I was a producer of the show and the, the host of the show. Okay. So yeah. that's the proper term for it. That's yeah. such a cool experience to be able to say that you've produced mainstream weed content yeah, for yeah. television, Yeah, absolutely. which is such an accomplishment no, that I think, um, you know, it's, and it, it was high quality weed content. I mean, that's yeah. the only way you can do it mm-hmm. if you're going to put content out there in regards to weed, because I think it has this reputation for being kind of cheesy and like um, somebody wrote on my uh wall one time that weed content is the lowest form of humor and I was like technically it's the highest (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) and I was like you're an idiot and I got him and um yeah I just like I think that's I it sucks because like tv doesn't have the same value as I think the internet now does like it Mm -hmm. definitely still has that oh wow you're on television right but now that the internet exists to have access to an audience, a weed audience on a mm-hmm. global level, you know, that's really cool too. And you, you're in both places. Yeah. And, and, um, I mean, are your, I guess it was really just not a question, but my, <laughs> my question, I'm, have your parents always been supportive of you smoking weed? Yeah. Uh, but meaning supportive. I, I don't know about supportive necessarily, but uh, are very, they religious? Very, like, uh, is it my mom is very open minded. I do want to jump back to, to the first part of your question, okay, though. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you know, I would say that, you know, so people f- from the audience, they they look at something like Bong Appetit, you know what I mean? And they say, OK, well, this is like high quality content that's about cannabis, but it's not so on the nose, right? It doesn't milk the, you know, the novelty of cannabis. And this is really the difference in the content that I work on uh, when it comes to cannabis. Now, a right. lot of people, I, you know, cannabis people are extremely sensitive to being pandered to or being fed bullshit or having their own culture sort of reamalgamated uh, in a corporate way. And I think a lot of places are very slow to understand that. I was able to do that advice because I am a cannabis person, right? Right. And I and I was lucky you enough s- to get speak the language of yeah, the culture. And I was lucky enough to get cannabis people to help me create that show. But then Vice also tried to make a bunch of other cannabis stuff that was incredibly tone deaf and was totally yeah. pandering to the audience. And then you know what? People they smelled it, they sniffed it out, and they, and they hated were like, it. "Yeah," and they hated it. So, like you know, and I think that that really illustrates a big issue. And the reason that we started Great Moments in Weed History is because, you know, 
okay, look, that was a window of time when I was able to do that, to make an honest weed show at Vice, right? Almost like, you know, like against that, uh, you know, the network's will, right? But like, in the meaning, obviously they wanted us to make Bong Appetit. They continue to make Bong Appetit. But I mean, look, I don't want to comment on like the iteration of the show after me, but I know that it's not resonating in the same way. And totally. I, and I think that, that, that you can... Th- Is that, that because... The person attached to it maybe isn't their their heart isn't in the right place when it comes to weed or at least their intentions or whatnot. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that whoever is generating that show does not understand what cannabis people want to see. And and here's the thing about cannabis people: if you create something for them, they will tell it t- uh, tell thirty of their friends about it. Right, right. But if you create something that they think is shitty. They'll tell those same 30 friends not to watch it and they'll stop watching it and you lost 31 people. It's true. Right. So like, you know, that I certainly grew tired of screaming this common sense into the void at some point. You know what I mean? Like I I quit from the show because I didn't see the opportunity to continue making it in the same way. Uh Vice, I think it's been reported pretty widely. It's pretty exploitative of the creative people that work for them. I think it shows because they hemorrhage talent constantly yeah. and are unable to, they, they, they just don't place a value on the, you know, the people that are actually Creating their product. The content. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that will happen forever. And also, here's the thing it's a company. They're all companies. High Times is a company, Vice is a company. That's why they suck. Right. Because companies suck because when you make something corporate and it's you're not making it for the sake of the content, of course, it's going to suck. And look, this is a double edged sword. We did our first season completely independently. We made zero money and the show was we thought really good, like, you know, and and people listen to it. And for our second season, we've partnered with a production company. So we are working with a company now, but they're they're small, they're scrappy, they yeah. know what they're doing, and we really feel like they understand us. And they made the show a lot better. Like, now we, it's like, you know, we have archival clips, we have, like, you know, all kinds of, uh, you know, sort of new components to the show. So there's a good side of, there's a there's a balance to be maintained, right? Right. Where we're making the content, we like it, we're empowered by our production company. But you know what? At the places that we're talking about, Vice was a very different company when I started working, doing weed stuff there, and you know, for, than it was from when I Left. finished. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? So I'm glad I caught that window of opportunity to do real cannabis stuff for TV because I don't know if that opportunity it's will not. ever exist it's again. It's gone. Yeah, it's, it's probably I don't gone. know if it'll ever be the same you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i guess that was my question my follow-up with in regards to your family because you've reached such a mass level and you're so public and right. open with your cannabis you know advocacy and the role that it plays in your life mm-hmm. i guess your family had to be there's no other option yeah. for them well so my mom is very supportive of all my work. She was on an episode of Bong Appetit. That's she so was cool. on, yeah, she was on the. Mother's I haven't watched Day all episode. of them, but I have watched a number of episodes. And ever, yeah. I'm like jealous, FOMO, that I'm not there eating the food. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's so good. I, you know what? I'm bummed that we didn't know each other back I then. Know, I know, but you, you know what? Made a great There's dinner, something. Guess. In the future, yeah, 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 exactly. You know? There we know right. each other now. Yeah, and now that the we and, thing. The, and like honestly. TV, we got to go for the World Wide Web. You know what I mean? It's true. That sounds so archaic you when know I what? say it. Like, a lot of people know me for Bong Appetit, but my my favorite doc I've ever done 
is a doc that's on YouTube and anyone can watch it from anywhere. It's called Mad Honey. And it's actually, there's cannabis in it, but it's not really about cannabis. And I really believe in the power. And that it actually won a Webby. So the internet loved wow. it. Um, but I really believe in the power of the internet. With, with written journalism, I was an early adopter of, you know, being like, okay, fuck print. When a lot of people were like, oh, I want my work in print. Oh, you write online? I write in print. Well, guess what? No one gives a shit about print now. Yeah. And, you know, we could have seen it coming. And so I, I really do believe in the you power of the internet. You want to adapt and yeah. evolve. And with podcasts, too. Like, for example, you know this. I mean, it's a level playing field like you and I our shows have the same packaging the same sort of real estate as you know anyone any huge Joe Rogan or Dax Shepard when it comes to Spotify or iTunes it looks the same it's like just because they have more money doesn't mean that they can you know carve out more space for themselves on this platform like meaning obviously you can pour money into promoting it left right. and right we can't promote our stuff anywhere because it's weed content yeah and facebook i got flagged on fa- on facebook recently yeah, for they, some shit they won't let us buy ads we had to put a 21 plus uh disclaimer on the show and you know what i said i was like it's just gonna make more le- under 21 people want to listen i know to it. it's gonna do the opposite <laughs> effect yeah um you're dope as fuck and I'm so excited to see all that you do and you know Thank I'm a fan you, Wolfie. You're and dope a friend. as fuck. So a fan shout before out. a friend. And, yeah, and shout out to you for holding it down out oh, here for the female weed comedians because you. you really you know, you're the one. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um where can people pl- plug all your stuff? Yes. So great moments in weed history. Uh, it's available on all platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all that jazz. Uh, this new season's really great. The the next episode that's coming out is about the Iron Sheik. Uh, Amazing. Famous professional wrestler. And there's a lot of great stuff this season. The old episodes are up there. And you can follow us at GMIWH Podcasts on all platforms. And then my own thing is uh, I'm Your Kid. Everywhere, it's I'm Your Kid, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, if you want to follow me there. But yeah, I really encourage everybody listening, especially, you know, your audience. Yeah, for sure. Uh, They'll love it. And then there's still old episodes of Bong Appetit up on... On Hulu. On Hulu. Yeah, but I don't make any money off those if you watch them or not, so it's up to you. Yeah, well, it's just another place to see just dope, high-quality content. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's really good. It's a great show. It's a shame, you know... It's a fucking shame, dude. But you know what? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Onwards and upwards. Yes, things right? are getting better. Things are. are getting better every day. Exactly. Well, thank you so much again. Thanks for having me. And this episode has also been sponsored by Kush Queen. Uh, use promo code Chronic Relief at checkout for fifteen percent off. Get them and, bath bombs. Yeah, get them bombs. Get them soaks. Um, you know, ship it to your grandma. I don't care. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, follow me, Wolfie Memes, Wolfie Comedy, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Tell me what kind of uh, what comedians you'd like to see come on. And uh, yeah, see you guys next week. <laughs>